Hello, everybody. My name is Larry Dobrow, and welcome to the MM&M podcast. Uh, we have a terrific pod today. Uh, we have Amy Houck and VD Britton from Pascal Communications joining us. We'll be talking a little bit about healthcare and LinkedIn marketing. Um, I think it's a venue, a channel, a platform. A third try, I got it right. It's a platform that people haven't used for healthcare marketing as much as perhaps they should. So Amy and Vivi will tell us a little bit about that. But before we get going, um, a couple quick plugs. Uh, we have our cover contest for the Hall of Fem issue, um, in which we're asking anyone and everyone to share creative around the topic of inspiring female leadership in healthcare marketing. The deadline for that is July 31st. And we are also inviting everybody in the MM&M community to join us for MM&M Move Together, which is a five-day fitness challenge that will be taking place from August 24th to August 28th. Um, hopefully, we'll raise a little money for charity and uh, get everybody out of the house at a time when I think we all need to get out of the house. So um, for more information on that, please go to mmnm-online.com or check us out through any of our social channels. All right. So first and foremost, Amy and Vivi, thank you so much for joining us here today. Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Okay. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking LinkedIn and healthcare marketing, but um, we have a new first question on the podcast nowadays, which is, how are you? Um, how is everybody? How are you guys personally? How is everybody at Pascal Communications as we enter, what, month six of this uh, craziness? I mean, right? It, it, it's a really weird time. Uh, I'm fine. I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, the number, COVID numbers in Texas are increasing daily. Hospitalizations are increasing daily. Uh, but my family and I are healthy, and we are so grateful for the incredibly awesome healthcare providers here in Austin that are keeping our friends and family um, healthy, healthy as well. So that's my Texas report. Amy. <laughs> yes, I, I'm in Baltimore. Um, and my family, everyone's good here. I have uh, three kids. They're behind us here. Um, they're all happy. They they don't really know what's happening in the world. Like we've created this really fun environment for them. We live near all this fun stuff. So they have no clue really. They know it's bad and they wear their masks, but um, they're very fortunate to have like some normalcy in their lives as far as like being kids. And they're just like waiting for it to be over. Um, like the rest of the world, we're back to uh, virtual education, or at least most of us. So looking forward to that. Uh, if you're a parent, you know, we're trying to figure out if we're going to build a pod system or what we might do um, to kind of help with some of the virtual schooling. The rest of us at Pascal's, you know, we're all over um, the U.S. and we're in different locations. Some of us are in Florida, but everyone's doing really well. Um, everyone within our company has been well. Um, to date, no one in our organization has like had COVID, which is which is great. Um, everyone, Amazing. Yeah. Everyone's known one, but we are all very, very uh, fortunate and, you know, very healthy. So that does make me feel happy. Obviously, working in healthcare, we're, uh, I would say, like a bit more agile than a lot of people would say, like in February, a lot of us were like, we're probably pulling our kids out of school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we you know, had funny. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's, it's funny in that, you know, uh, you know, being, being in healthcare and, you know, having heard some of the early reports from what was going on in China. Um, yeah. You know, it was almost just like, wait a second, you know, we were planning, uh, this is for you, Vivi, we were planning on sending our usual three or four people down to South by Southwest. And I remember about totally. a week or two before being like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And, you know, it was almost a relief. I mean, as much as we're all bummed out because it's the best time of the year, it was uh, almost a relief when finally somebody said, you know what, we can't do this. I think it kind of made it real 
for a lot of people in the uh, community that might have been a little bit on the well, is this serious? Is this not serious aspect of it? You know, and uh, obviously since then it's been crazy. And uh, and yeah, you know, Amy, to your point, we're going to be finding out, I believe, today about our uh, school district's plans for the fall. So, uh, you know, you might hear me shrieking in the middle of the call or my five-year-old might come running in, but I'll worry about that when it happens. Hey, I'm here with you. I'm here yeah. with all the parents hey. that have experienced, like, the kid that comes downstairs during virtual school and is like, I'm just, I'm just done. And you're like, is class over? And they're like, well, no, but other kids left. So I'm just going to yeah. leave. I'm like, no. <laughs> they're eating their sandwich, like, over the laptop and just, you know, crumbs and everything are falling in there. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> just like push the screen back just an inch or two. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the dust busters have gotten a very good workout <laughs> over these last four or five months, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, um, at so, Pascale, yeah. we do have a big advantage when, when all of the, when COVID um, kind of came to the U.S., we were just prepared naturally because we're yeah. a virtual company. So it was no change for us. Really, the biggest was helping our clients and our call, like our external colleagues, like editors and whatnot, um, navigate the process. Because for us, it was super natural. Yeah. Also, the weirdest part is that my husband is here as well, and he's like talking, and we have to isolate so we don't hear each other throughout the day. That's the biggest change. <laughs> biggest change for me. We we started. Uh, my wife and I started on the same floor, and. Uh, that didn't work out too well. So now I'm downstairs. She's upstairs. The kids are flying around wherever they happen to be at any given moment. It is a, a very different way of working. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, let's let's turn to let's turn to LinkedIn. Um, you know, one of the things when you know Pascal proposed this topic, it's it's such a natural thing to us nowadays, right? You know, we use LinkedIn so much. You no, know, not just for our career elements, but also for some of the programs that we see. You know, we we hear about some of the work. We find out about programs via LinkedIn as often as we do some other social platforms. T tell me a little bit about the origins of LinkedIn as a healthcare marketing platform. Um, what were some of the early signs that it would become what it has become? Sure. I'll, uh, maybe I'll jump and then I'll turn it over to you. Sound good? Great. Okay, Awesome. From the very beginning, LinkedIn had like the capabilities to, if they got it all together, to have some of the most amazing like paid targeting for, for paid media um, because of who started to navigate to LinkedIn. So as we started to see companies on LinkedIn and then people going there for professional and career development, that created an opportunity that if they got it together for the in the advertising space, we knew we could target them. So I think display ads were like 05 and then they were okay. And then LinkedIn started to get like richer and richer, um, not in money in like how they were actually building their ad platform. They acquired a company called Bizzo. Um, they started building out different ad types. And since then it was kind of this transition of, okay, now they have the users on their platform that are fantastic for this peer-to-peer -peer, like self-development, growing your personal portfolio, and then you start to see like healthcare come right into that because healthcare, uh, they wanted a place that felt professional and not just full of junk, and LinkedIn was that place. So it was kind of something we were keeping our eyes on for a long time in the social space, like. How's this going to play out? Um, and more and more, you would ask like a doctor or physician, like, where are you? And they were nowhere but LinkedIn. And this kept happening like over and over. They didn't do Instagram yet. Their Facebook, they considered it like, eh. 
and they kind of maybe had a Twitter that had like no profile picture, which we still sometimes see on LinkedIn. But you know, they <laughs> totally really, true. Yeah, it's totally true. We'll get to that. But it was it was definitely something you could tell. Okay, this is a place for professionals. The healthcare you know community is navigating here, as well as like the companies, the hospitals. Everyone wants their reputation on there. Um, and it became as it became like an HR portal too. I think more people kept navigating in and kind of filling out that space. So I, I'm looking at it now from the lens of like 2020. Is I, I feel like it's even used even more daily now since COVID has happened um, than even before because people are using it for like breaking news and whatnot. But that's a little spiel on, on that part of the origins. I know Vivi has some thoughts too. I want to turn it over to her. I mean, I 100% agree that the when I first came across LinkedIn in, in 03 when it launched or, or whenever that was, I was like, wow, there is a lot of potential here and the capabilities could be really cool. But initially it was just a like a professional networking platform that occasionally people would join. And then as it gained traction, they also developed the software itself or the, the platform itself and doors started opening for marketers, for advertisers and, and how we can leverage this platform. And it's so cool because it really targets the professional. Unlike Facebook, you know, that your, your 14 year old can have Facebook or or my 80 year old father is on Facebook and he hasn't worked in 20 some years. So, you know, LinkedIn allows you to really hone in on those professionals and, and the capabilities initially, I, I thought this is going to be awesome. Yeah, totally. You know, it's, in, it's interesting. I think, um, Amy, you mentioned this, but you know, maybe you alluded to it as well. Um, you know, during the last couple of months during this crisis, and in, in a way, has LinkedIn kind of had a moment? I mean, in addition to some of the things that we'd already done around networking and some of the marketing program, LinkedIn became something of a primary news source. I mean, yeah. in a way that wasn't yeah. as uh, insane and cluttered as Facebook and Twitter and a lot of the other social platforms. Yeah, it definitely has. I, I was going to get to this later, but to, like we've seen things like the live video series J&J put out, the road to a vaccine, where it's like the live updates and the news and the breaking news. Like, that's fantastic to be able to utilize their voice and their platform in that way saying, we know you trust us. Here's news from a source you already trust that's basically isolated in your feed. Like, say no more. Yeah. A hundred percent. LinkedIn yeah. tends to be more of a reliable platform because it's doctors that are putting content out, right? If you're following yeah. those people or you're in the groups, that content seems to be a little bit more reliable, um, researched. It's not often the echo chamber of Facebook where uninformed people are just kind of rippling through and sharing that content that hasn't been vetted. So LinkedIn is a great source for information, especially in the, the COVID era. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go back. Was uh, This is a question which I threw at you guys earlier, so you could have a minute or two to think about it. But um, what, was there kind of a eureka moment for healthcare marketing via LinkedIn? Was there one moment that you can put your finger on and saying, this is when the platform really captured the imagination and the attention of so many of the healthcare marketers that use it? I'm so excited about this question. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so he, here at Pascal, Amy and I kind of have different roles. So Amy focuses really heavily on the digital side of things, but I work on the trade side and then sprinkle in digital. And I work closely with Amy so we can really create a awesome um, amplification of all of the content that we get for our clients. And one of the biggest Eureka moments for me when it came to LinkedIn, from my lens, from kind of my perspective, 
was the write an article feature that was added. Um, this was a huge game changer because it allowed the KOLs that we work with and the doctors you know, that we work with to start putting content out there and we could help them like, hey, here's a topic, here's what, here's what is trending, here's what you should be doing. So the write an article feature was a game changer for me. And then the other one in the time when we had conferences and meetings and we would go to these things and we all weren't just hiding in our house, uh, was find nearby feature, which is in their mobile app. Yes. So that was like, who are these doctors that are right around me? And I could just be, you know, <laughs> kind of creepy and go, oh, there's Dr. So-and-so or, oh, I need to connect with this person. So the write the article feature and the find nearby for me were awesome. Yeah, that is so great, Bibi. And then from, from the other side of things too, something in the paid media space of LinkedIn, when they finally got on board with like native advertising, like, yes, like we need that. And that was like 2016 or 17. Um, I think it was beginning of 2017. But that needs to happen. Like you need to have all of these different capabilities. So that was like, okay, that's a good start. And then they had like carousel ads. Like they were a little behind, well, a lot behind. on like their ad types that you could promote. And you needed to have a variation because as the platform was growing, you don't just want like a rectangle, like click here. You need to have like varying yeah. content. And they needs to be in like varying locations, you know, and they've built out that native ad network work pretty pretty you know heavily and i think you know when used properly um that ends up to be like really beautiful parts of your campaign too so for us that was a definite part where i was like okay now we can really start thinking creatively about what types of um content we're putting out because from a digital side of things when we're running like clients at pascal we're, we're not always thinking just about organic content. Like we're thinking about amplifying that. So we're always thinking organic and paid. They're always holding hands. So we want to know like how we can promote that types of content, um, you know, on LinkedIn in, compliantly in the healthcare space. So that's how we're always thinking about it. Um, to that end, um, and I think, you know, you both touched on this a little bit, but um, what, were, what were some of the first health campaigns that kind of popped on LinkedIn? What were some of the I mean, what was the, you know, you talk about some of the internet marketing and everybody always goes back to subservient chicken, as silly as that was. What, what were some of the first uh, healthcare um, campaigns or even just healthcare aspects that worked on LinkedIn? Sure. Um, I'm thinking more like my brain's wired on like current right now, because that's what I've been like mm -hmm. kind of dived into. The, the, <laughs> the live series um, are amazing. Jane Jay is fantastic at this. Uh, recently, there was uh, around everything with Black Lives Matter. Bristol Myers Squibb did a like one of the long form quotes, and it was beautiful. It was from um, Shamika Williams, and it was it's just gorgeous. If you go and look at it on LinkedIn, it was so um, professional, so thought worthy. It addressed the issue, and, and it was such a beautiful way for like healthcare to say we're having a part of this conversation. And so it really stood out. And you can just see by the comments on the post, like how amazing it was. Um, another an, another thing that stands out and like some of these, um, I can't give exact examples of because of privacy, but like the sponsored yeah. in-mail campaigns um, really stand out. And we run a lot of these at Pascal. So in the ad space, this is huge because this, the open rate for this is like, like you know, when they hit the buzzer on like um, the voice and like the golden stuff falls. That's what it's like <laughs> because 
it's like 52%. So this is a huge thing when you're thinking health campaigns to give you like a marker. If you made an email campaign right now for your business and sent it out, 15 to 20% of people are going to open it. That's it. That's where you at. And that's on a good day. I mean, you probably have seen like much worse when like you have an email campaign with bombs and it's like four. Um, yeah. that's a great day like we actually see like I run our paid media team so I'm privy to see like the 52% with my eyes or sometimes even more like it's crazy so healthcare r- running those campaigns is it's just like the boss applesauce like everyone should be doing it they should be thinking about how to do it they should be thinking about what they're trying to say to like the HCPs um, it's fantastic so that stands out um Lead ads stand out. You see a lot of these at every healthcare company. I could rattle them all off. They're running them, um, whether it's like registrations for a virtual event. Um, in the past, when it first started, I forget which year it rolled out, um, but it was like, you know, you put in your name and like your job title and like it, you know, sent you to a form or a website. Now it's getting more complex in a good way. So they're actually, there's like, I think I'm allowed to say this, but there's like a pilot program where like doing live events you can actually put in your info now it's it's premiering in august i think i'm allowed to say oh, wow. but that's going to be pretty cool um and i think anything like that that helps capture information is good and when we're talking health campaigns and we're talking like hcp so we run so many different kinds of campaigns primarily at pascal we target the hcps for companies but also we have like another kind of campaign where we're run where we target like hospitals and c-suite executives and the administrative team um, from from different uh parts of, of like the hospital administration group and linkedin is great for that too because when we're trying to educate someone at that executive level we use very targeted lead ads and we see you know a lot of success from this from our company as well as just on linkedin in general um uh, the the percentage of people filling out those people being hcps filling out those types of lead gen forms on linkedin versus facebook and twitter is about 200 percent more effective and we're not the only ones that did like studies like this there's a great study by hubspot too where they studied like 5,000 businesses like outside of healthcare and they found like the same exact results so stand out you have to have those lead generation ads and a lot of companies are doing them a lot of companies are not it's still kind of like in the mix and you see them in your feed a lot but the big thing that I see that stands out in healthcare is like, what's the offer? You know, what are they offering? Like, are you giving a doctor a download? Are you sending them to a virtual event? Like, what are they getting by giving their information? And companies that do this well, they address like in the copy and the body as well, like questions, like questions like, where are you struggling with your practice during COVID-19? Are these things bothering you? Here's this resource to help you. Like they're addressing the problem. Um, I've seen so many of those recently and they, I mean, some I don't have access of course to the data. I have access to the ones we're running, but it, it, it's just really good content. I know that was a mouthful. Health campaigns. Are good. <laughs> that's not, 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 I mean, whether or not it was a mouthful, we got to hear more about this program that's debuting in August, but that might be another conversation. Vivi, how about, how about for you? What, what do you think? I mean, everything, I was just shaking my head aggressively to everything Amy said, because it, yes, 100%. Um, I've seen some really cool COVID-related campaigns recently that are yeah. mindful, thoughtful, um, generate a lot of comments, and you're like, wow, th- this is well done, well executed. Um, many of them are from big players, like Amy, Amy said, like Abbott and, and J&J yeah. and CVS even are throwing them out there. And they're they're good. They're, they're really 
cool, honestly. Um, I do follow some local companies here in Austin that have been putting out some just more general content, not COVID related over the last year or so. And, and those have been really interesting. And it makes me actually really, really happy to see smaller companies, local yeah. companies utilizing LinkedIn. And, and it, I, I like clap and cheer for them anytime I, I see something online, especially those that are generating a lot of comments because you know it's landing well. Cool. Um, actually, you know, what both of you have said kind of leads me to a question, which I think was one of the things that was initially proposed for this podcast. What, why haven't more healthcare companies taken advantage? Why didn't they do it any sooner? I mean, you know, some of the uses we've seen over the last couple of, you know, a couple of months, especially, I mean, certainly so many people have done this well. And, you know, maybe like you just said, local companies, smaller companies are, you know, using this in a way that has to be at least as effective as some of what they're doing on Facebook and everywhere else. Um, what, why didn't this happen sooner for healthcare? Yeah, um, I, we're both passionate about this topic. I'll, let's we'll co co drive it. Uh, <laughs> they need a roadmap. So a lot of times they don't know where to begin. So the conversation I'm always having when we have a, a new client is, well, you know, we built this LinkedIn and then we're just we don't know what what content to put out. We don't know how frequently to put it out. Like we have this whole team and and also just like this is like the no-brainer everyone's too busy like with COVID and everything like running the teams the products virtually there it's like the last thing on everyone's list is like oh well what are we putting out on linkedin this week and it's just like oh well yeah. let's just throw this at it and that's that that's not a strategy that's not like a strategic roadmap or plan you know of you know building like out what you're trying to get to your target audience so like one of the first things like companies need to think of is like goodness gracious, like what is their content pillars? Like what are they trying to say to their audience and then building content that fits that and then putting that on LinkedIn. There are some basic problems that we see, like basic, like the header is not, there's no cover image. It's all wonky. Their, their logo on their LinkedIn doesn't match their website. I mean, we could just pick it apart for days, but guys, maybe nuts. The, the, the problem is, number one, they're too busy. And they, the team, they don't have like a team task to do it. I, I mean, we're here, happy to help. But like, <laughs> definitely like the big thing is like the first, like I can't wait to get my hands on it when we start is like rebuilding things, like taking advantage of LinkedIn as a platform. Like I think 30 million companies are on LinkedIn right now, 30 million. There are over 637 million monthly users. Like what are you doing? You gotta be on here. Um, but again, the marketing, the CMOs and, and the executives of these companies are running so many hats right now that they need some help. And I think that's the big thing. And for individuals, I've done a lot of like individual consultation on LinkedIn. What, you know, what do you do to build your personal profile? And we've done that with doctors. We've done that with professionals. And we do like video trainings like this. And it's all really basic stuff. Like what, what groups do I add? Like what kind of things do I add for my skills? I'm like, Oh my goodness, like you have more skills than anyone I know. Like, let's list them all. Like, there's a lot of basic stuff. Um, peer to peer reputation, they, you know, they don't have uh, filled out like um, the recommendations. It's just a lot of small things that add up to a lot of big results. And I think, you know, more companies can start taking advantage by thinking this is serious and I need to be on LinkedIn. It's not a back thought, it needs to be a front thought. I, I totally agree. From a company perspective, I think that the reason why many haven't taken advantage of LinkedIn 
to date is because it seems daunting. Like Amy said, it, they don't really know where to start. There might not be a roadmap or they're not utilizing messaging pillars of some fashion. I've seen a lot of company um, profiles that don't have images or their website on it. And I'm, I'm like, my mind is blown when I see these. And I'm like, please, please call us. We will help you. Uh, and then from a personal, from a personal standpoint, it's like, come on, you have to put an image let's have it up to date. Let's have a picture of you. Um, let's do a tagline. Let's embrace those keywords from the business and the personal uh, side so we can get some SEO amplification. So you, your company and you as an individual can be searchable. Um, I think it all freaks people out and they don't know where to start with the keywords or what to do or what images are best. Um, so I think that's why it hasn't been taken advantage uh, to date. But it's so actually so simple. We literally reveal you know, people their images. Like they'll say, "Which image should I use? Like what should I do?" And like send us like um, like an iCloud like of all these photos, and we're like, "This one, like it's it's simple. <laughs> Add that baby in there, done." But it makes them feel better because they are worried. But uh, especially doctors, they really want to know what to do and they feel concerned and they want to make sure they're representing themselves in their practice. So it, it's a big issue for them because they don't know. You know, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm listening to both of your answers and in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, all right, I got to come up with a follow-up question, but I'm also thinking I better do some work on my profile very soon because I think I, uh, I think I fall short in several of the areas you both identified. <laughs> um, you think, I mean, certainly, you know, right now, especially with everything else that's going on, there's only so much attention you can pay to every platform, to every small aspect. Do you, do you think part of healthcare's reluctance, or I don't know if reluctance is the right word, but part of healthcare being slow to embrace LinkedIn is just healthcare being slow with everything else? You know, traditionally, <laughs> you know, you have a couple industries that go and then healthcare takes a look and they check everything with the regulators and then they dive in. Is that sort of a secondary component of it as well? Yep. Yes. I, I agree. So LinkedIn, from a company standpoint, LinkedIn is essentially working as a second website. And it's also a it's a way to promote your branding, promote your product. There's all of these things. So, yes, depending on the industry, some are stricter than others, like pharma versus ophthalmology. Those have different rules and regulations. So some people, the process might be slower for some companies and some specialties. For individuals, this is such a good opportunity to choose their personal branding and create a website around how they want to be seen and how they want to be portrayed in the space and in the industry. And I also think that's scary for people. They don't know where to start with personal branding and what to do. Yeah. And then also, too, like, yes, healthcare is slower at everything. The LinkedIn has been very slow at their policies for uh, like drug RX products still is slow. Uh, we're working on it, but there's a lot of red tape around it still. Whereas like Facebook and Instagram figured this out a while ago and we're like, we're going to allow like branded RX products on our channel. Even though we have these policies, we're going to get a healthcare team. We're going to build a healthcare division at Facebook and we're going to support healthcare companies. And we've been working with them for years. Whereas LinkedIn just got on board with this. We now, as of 2019, 2020 have like a 
LinkedIn healthcare team that actually thinks strategically about, okay, there's healthcare brands that have all this red tape with ISI and PI, and we need to work with them to, to build content that we can put on our channel because they still have rules as a company about what can and can't be promoted. And it is a wall, like you cannot get through it. So you have to think your way around it a lot of times. I want to see that wall come down. And it's one of those like historically like old things. Like it's like, shouldn't have been there in the first place. It was there to protect the company, um, but now it needs to come down. It needs to get rebuilt. And they're working on it. They're doing a fabulous team. The healthcare team at LinkedIn is amazing. And they've really done a great job, like, growing out that part of their team. So, like, kudos to them. You know, it's interesting what you said, LinkedIn, you know, vis-a-vis Facebook. Um, at South by Southwest last year, in fact, uh, Facebook Health invited a bunch of us in. And they had this big event. And they went out of their way to be like, here are the 725 things that we can do for you. And, you know, after, like, you know, 45 minutes of it, you were like, can, can I please leave now? Can I please go home? I'd like to see my family, you know, that type yeah, of thing. Your head's exploding. Um, yeah. It's the main I mean, thing. It, it, it doesn't seem that LinkedIn, I mean, they certainly have started it recently. Um, actually, one of our former editors was the head of healthcare content at LinkedIn for a little while. They, I, they seem to be, cat, they seem to be making up for lost time, which is something that's very cool to see and, you know, almost an acknowledgement of its own in a way. Yeah, and they're doing a great job. Like, I mean, I've never seen so many like PDFs and PowerPoints of here's some new possibilities for you guys. And then I'm looking at that always going, yes, how am I going to take this and make stuff that we're going to get through the legal teams? And, you know, it's always (laughs) this idea of, you know, at Pascal, we, we build, we run so much branded RX products. We do black box, we do it all. So, like, everything we do is like, we are like, so our saying is you can be creative and compliant at all times, um, but it depends on what the network is going to allow. So like we're always going to push the limits because we are so well versed in these are the FDA like rules. They're so outdated, but they're there. These are the FTC. Um, you know, here's how we're <laughs> things together. And it's like we've been doing this from the start where there wasn't even a place to do this. So like we in- were inventing it when like there- nobody cared about, oh, well, you need to have, you know, scroll ISI here or this needs to swipe to safety or this needs to be the same font size nobody cared the way that we care like um sidebar like we literally train teams how to do this now and like when we work with LinkedIn we were like here's what we got to do to be compliant tell us what we can do in your platform so we were like working as a team we still are it's, it's nice And from my perspective, I work a lot with the doctors to create the content. And so this eliminates a lot of the red tape with regulatory and approval. So what the doctor says is their opinion, right? And if they're posting it, it's their blog. And if they want to talk about new um, surgical advancements in 2020, and, and my client happens to be one of the technologies they want to talk about, great, right? So we can put that content out. The doctor can be the author and it goes on LinkedIn and there's a lot of kind of um, avoiding those regulatory issues. And so there's crafty ways to utilize the tool and keep moving forward with content and messaging. You know, to to that point, um, I mean, for, for programs like that, for some of the other things that we've spoken about already, I mean, who is LinkedIn's competition? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it seems certainly there are, you know, there are components that Facebook picks up and any number of other platforms pick up. But right now, does LinkedIn almost have this 
to themselves in a way that yeah. you know almost nobody else does? Yes, like I built out an extensive um, like social paid media plan this week um, in the hospital space, and it was like all of these like sub segments of hospitals and cardio and cath lab, and it, it was beautiful. And I can't do that on Facebook and Instagram. I can do groups, interests, the job title targeting that it allows. It is nowhere near as in-depth as LinkedIn is. I mean, I was able to just literally isolate different parts of the hospital chain for different test groups. Like, you can only do that on LinkedIn. So the pro the only problem is raising the red flag is money. So when you're targeting that specific, that level of, like, um, chief information officer, executive, it can easily cost 25 bucks a campaign per day. So if you're running a, a let's say you have a $4,000 budget, it's very easy to max yourself out um, when you have like those campaign limits. So that is something you have to keep in mind, like Facebook and Instagram. If I said, I want to spend $10 a day testing this group, I could do that. Can't do that on LinkedIn. However, they're rolling out something really new, uh, which is called another new thing. I think I'm allowed to tell you, uh, life <laughs> which is new. Haven't had that. So that lets me say, I only have this budget and I'm going to spend it and it's going to work together to spend that, um, more effectively, which it hasn't really been lifetime pacing. Hasn't really been, uh, the case. So I think that's going to be helpful. We'll see. We'll see as it rolls out. And I agree just in general that there's nothing else from my perspective, from working with the doctors, trying to get trade content, pushing it out through that lens, LinkedIn is amazing for me um, and, and my objectives because I'm not I'm not working within the paid side, but I'm looking to find that earned content or spread messaging or working directly with doctors. Yeah. So LinkedIn has no other competition in, in my book. Which leads me actually into my last question. Um, you know, it's, it's almost an unfair question, as I've said a couple other times on this podcast, because, you know, the future changes every couple of days. But um, the the future for healthcare marketing on LinkedIn, you know, Amy, you mentioned a couple of the pilot programs that might be rolled out. Um, what, what are some of the ways that LinkedIn can make itself even more essential to healthcare marketers? You know, what are some of the other things that they can do um, in the immediate future and in the longer term future? Sure. I'll let Levi, I'll let Vivi jump in first here. I know she has a couple ideas and then I'll give a few more as well. Uh, like okay. I said, it would be really interesting. So currently within the platform, individuals can write articles and in, in these blogs and post them out. What I think would be really interesting if, if they rolled this out is allowing companies to write articles and, and blog content. I'd be curious to see how that gets regulated um, by internal legal teams, by <laughs> LinkedIn themselves. I have no idea, but that would be really cool from like a content standpoint. Um, I'd also love to see a way that LinkedIn can, right now it's a global platform. It's super awesome. You can reach, I have clients in, in Israel and in Taiwan, and I can find their peers easily through LinkedIn. Uh, but what I would love to see is a, more of a community aspect within LinkedIn. So I can find people more easily and, and swiftly in Austin, Texas and create a kind of community network. I don't know what that would look like, but I think that would be really cool if, if we could, if they could do that in, in some element as well. That'd be really helpful, I think, also for the individual user, yeah. not just the company. Um, and then also, I think actually this uh, kind of came to me just now is emails 
I use LinkedIn a lot for communication with doctors and clients and, and whatnot. <laughs> it, right? Like it would be really interesting. Is there a world where just emails go away and LinkedIn becomes our platform? I don't know. I don't know. But I do it all the time. So that would be really interesting um, for me. That's great, Vivi. I'll yeah. add a few more layers to that too. Is like, um, like I said earlier, LinkedIn's like continuing to grow. Their healthcare team's phenomenal. They've got a lot of new tools. I mentioned a lot earlier. They got another cool new tool called Conversation Ads. I don't, I don't know if any of you have seen any of the beta versions. It's like where it pops up and it's like something for you. And then it's like, tell me more, um, take a survey. It's like buttons and you interact. Oh, yeah, with yeah. There's, those are fantastic. And there were, I'm kind of looking at the results of some of those right now. And, and it, that, that's looking pretty good because it allows engagement. There, there's a, there's a shaky bridge sometimes between what we're allowed to do when it comes to engagement in healthcare. So depending on the company mm -hmm. and the regulatory, um, they can be very scared of having engagements. So having those conversations, what does it look like? So for us, we're tasked with, you know, figuring out the conversation from A to Z, like, where could it go? What if they say this? And so we build these like very dense, like response protocols that are pre-approved. Um, and they, they help this, uh, you, you, like the world sees this amazing tool. They see this ad pop up, it's interactive, but on the backside, there's so much work going into like what happens once that conversation is initiated. So like in the health space, like the, the new capabilities are going to continue to roll out. And like the, the way that the process is needs to come up to match that. So that's something like we're always doing like at Pascal. Um, fun fact I wanted to mention on this was an ad on LinkedIn can reach 12% of the world's population. And I think that's so cool because when we think about, there's words I, I like to avoid saying, population, people, they, I like to be specific. When we're thinking about population like that, we're thinking like, ooh, what percentage of that 12 is healthcare? What percentage of them is hospital? What percentage of them is physicians? And so knowing that LinkedIn is more of a professional and trusted source, we essentially can take that stat and infer like, okay, we know that an ad on LinkedIn is directly hitting um, that professional group. And it's in general getting a better result. Um, Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram, they don't have all those capabilities. Facebook and Instagram is fantastic. We run all campaigns on there. Twitter is their targeting is like, it's like they're still in kindergarten and like LinkedIn just got the masters. Like it's not even important. Like, <laughs> and it frustrates me because, you know, Twitter has so many users, but I can't type in like, I want a cardiovascular surgeon that's been active for seven years. Like I can only do that on LinkedIn. So I think um, more and more people, they understand like the layers to it. It, they're going to continue to, you know, utilize it. Think we're going to see more companies grow. We we have net we have a re record number of companies that we're building on LinkedIn this year. I think it's the most we have ever built. Um, built, remodeled, ripped apart, and redone. Um, you know, all of that jazz. But I think, uh, you know, it's it's definitely something that the future is is bright for LinkedIn in healthcare. And I think need to grow and we're going to see more and more and more of what I'm seeing now, which is what's working, what's not, how are healthcare marketers using LinkedIn to reach their peers or um, expose their products to the physicians that they're trying to reach, which is something we work heavily uh, on in, in our campaigns is like physician product education, stuff like that. Um, 
I, I I get most excited when I'm logging in to see the results on LinkedIn on a product like that we're running. And then under that is like Facebook and Instagram, because I almost know that the results on LinkedIn are going to be better because of the targeting. Instagram's close behind though. We gotta note that, but LinkedIn is really doing a good job right now. We gotta we gotta check back in with you guys in a little bit. Um you know, this is something which you know, certainly, you know, we've been using it, you know, MMM and our parent company, Haymarket Media has been using this, but I think there are a lot of functions that uh, I learned about today that I really should probably uh, ch chat about during our next all hands meeting. So thanks both of you so much for uh, coming on um, and speaking, um, especially on such short notice. Uh, this was, uh, this was terrific. It was a great education for me. We had a great time. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. Right. Yes, thanks for having us. Happy to, and happy to help. If you need any, have any questions yeah. for us, you let us know. <laughs> you let us know. Absolutely. We're here. We will absolutely take you up on that, and we hope we will not annoy you in the process. <laughs> we don't uh, ever get annoyed. It's okay. I want to thank Amy and Vivi from Pascal Communications. I'd also like to thank Georgette Pascal for reaching out um, and always being a good friend of the brand. That's it for today's MM podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back again with another one next week. Take care and be well.